I'm sure some of you already know this, but guess what three things the United States Department of Homeland Security considers the greatest terrorist threat to the United States? You'll find out on today's program. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Those of you that follow the news cycle and how things are disseminated as information in Washington, D.C., probably already understand the idea. If you want to bury a story where most people will not see it, you drop it out sometime late on a Friday afternoon when everybody's mindset is now essentially the weekend. And people don't watch as much news. And so it's a good way to hide a story if you don't want it to be the front page news. Do it on Friday afternoon when the when the regular reporters are taking the weekend off and, and, you know, the whole way to hide things. Our government's been doing that for decades. But there was a story, and I'm going to share it just in a minute or two, about what the Department of Homeland Security considers the three greatest terror threats facing the United States today. I think you'll be surprised if you already don't know. Also on today's program, a couple of stories that I've been following. I'm not going to get into the weeds on things like the vaccine and virus today. I've got a few little stories on that. But I thought today on the program, because I seldom have the opportunity, a little behind the scenes of what makes this radio show tick, as they say, why I'm doing it, uh, some of the plans that I have, some of the things we're trying to get done, and what I think the show is going to be like as we move forward throughout the remainder of this calendar year and what I pray to see happen in the next year. So let me get to this story that I ran across and it's been shared with me by several people. And the best way to put it is, let's go to the NBC Nightly News. NBC Nightly News used to be one of the biggest watched television news programs in the nation. Of course, Walter Cronkite held that position for years in the 1960s on CBS. NBC has been there for for many, many years. But thankfully, all the mainstream news media outlets like NBC, ABC, and CBS have watched their viewership for their nightly news product decline. CNN, now that uh, Donald Trump is gone, has lost more than half of their viewership. And the same is true over at MSNBC. Fox is losing shares. Newsmax is gaining, though I have some issues with them I'll talk about maybe later today or maybe on another program. But just so you know, there was a story that came out on Friday afternoon. NBC had it briefly on their newscast, which means that Oh, out of a population of 330 million people, uh, about 300 million or more, probably 320 million people didn't see it because they don't watch NBC Nightly News. But here is the story, and here is uh, Lester Holt to tell you what the Department of Homeland Security considers the greatest threats facing the United States today. These are terror threats, I might add, too. A new terror alert has been issued by Homeland Security tonight. Pete Williams is here. Pete, what do we know about this? 
Well, DHS says this new terrorism advisory is not based on any actual threats or plots, but it says there's a rise in anti-government rhetoric. Some of it is opposition to COVID public health rules like mask and vaccine measures. Some calls for violent action are based on claims of election fraud or a belief that Donald Trump can be reinstated. And DHS says the coming 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks and religious holidays later this year could be catalysts for violence. The last terror advisory was issued in May. It expired today. This new one says domestic extremism remains a threat priority, Lester. All right, Pete, thank you. So did you hear that? Guess what that makes me? So if you listen to that, that would make uh, people like myself and people like many of my listeners considered potential terror threats. Now, this comes from the United States Department of Homeland Security. Remember them? They came into being back uh, right after the events of, of September the 11th of 2001. The idea was to protect our nation from outside terror activity. And those terrorists that would come into the country. Look, I worked in emergency management for a number of years after that. And back in the days before Obama became the president, we basically dealt with two kinds of threats in most communities. That's We had two classifications. One was a terror event, like something like blowing up a building whatever whatever it be, domestic or, or foreign, or you had natural weather or natural disaster events like tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, fires. When the Obama administration took over, they got rid of the word terror because they didn't want to get their Islamic friends angry by having a terror event always tied to an Islamic group, which was happening for a while back in the uh, first part of the 2000s. They changed it to a man-made terror event. This way, it could be climate change, believe it or not. That's one of the reasons they made the change. But getting back to the story with Lester Holt, who still thinks he's a journalist, but, you know, he does he's accurate on this. The potential ther- terror threats now According to the Department of Homeland Security, if you have any opposition to COVID measures, you are a terror threat. In other words, if you believe the science, even the science that Dr. Fauci paid dearly for uh, many, many years ago, the 40 years of study that say a mask is worthless in the presence of a virus, You know, when I did some research on this, working, coming out of retirement last year on the, on the effectiveness of a mask, pretty much there was only one mask that could provide any help. That's an N95. They are very expensive and have to be properly fitted and properly cleaned and properly maintained. Mm, I don't see anybody really wearing one of those things. Those two-for-a-dollar masks you buy at Walmart are not worth it. They don't do anything. And I remember somebody, when I first mentioned this, sent me a video, says, Bob, you've got to see this. You just don't know what you're talking about. You know, a mask does does wonders. And so this person shares with me this video put out by somebody that really believes that masks are going to save us 
from the coronavirus. They got a guy sneezing and coughing into a Petri dish with and without a mask. And two days later, you look at the two Petri dishes and you see all this bacterial growth where the mask was not worn and not that much where the mask was. Here's the problem. A bacteria is 1,000 times the size of a virus. Let me say that again. 1,000 times the size of a virus. And a typical mask barely can stop bacteria going down to 2 microns. Most around 5, maybe. So what is the point of wearing these face coverings? I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. So if you are opposed to the COVID measures, if you are hesitant about taking this experimental vaccine into your body, I don't understand why. I mean, I'll see people say, you must be vaccinated because it works. And I ask, show me the study that says that it does. Show me the 10-year study that every other vaccine must go through. Do you know Do you know this little fact? I've double-checked it and triple-checked it. There has never been a successful vaccine made for a coronavirus, ever. They've been trying for a long time. Because, see, a coronavirus is what those that are into bio-warfare have been playing with. Dr. Fauci's been playing with it the EcoHealth Alliance, the lab in Wuhan, military. They've been playing with this stuff for a long time. They've been doing the gain of threat, which now has a new polite name, gain of function. It used to just be called gain of threat. They've been playing with this stuff for years. And so they've been trying to find an antidote to this biological weapon. And so far, in every long-term study, They fail. The virus fails. It never fully makes it through the animal studies before you have some serious and sometimes even deadly issues. So when someone says, Bob, you need to take that vaccine and it'll 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 save your life and you won't be spreading. They give me all this nonsense, but none of it's true. If a vaccine works the way it's supposed to as any other vaccine by definition would, these, by the way, don't even fit the legal definition, that means you don't get a big viral load to spread to other people because your immune system is ready and prepared at the first sign of trouble. And thus, you are not manufacturing more of these viruses to have a big viral load to spread to somebody else. I've never in my life heard of taking a vaccine so I don't make somebody else sick. I've never heard that before. This is new territory for us, folks. I've used this analogy before. It's like telling me to put on a winter jacket because you are cold and freezing. Makes no sense. But we're being told we must do this, and we now need a booster shot, you know, a third dose for the immunocompromised. And maybe we should be vaccinating children under the age of 12, maybe even even at birth. Give them this 
messenger RNA vaccine, not even knowing, not having a clue what the long-term effects are going to be in two, five, or ten years. We simply do not know. And to me, that's a concern. The left has always been really good about saying things like, my body, my choice, except when it comes to the vaccine. Then everybody must submit and become part of this great experiment. Somebody posted an email they received after taking one of the shots at a CVS pharmacy, indicating that they could be paid money to be involved in a two-year study to see what the effects of the vaccine are on that individual. In other words, we don't know. And this person now has decided, I'm not taking the second shot. If I had known this, where's the disclosure? You know, when it comes to any kind of experimental uh, treatment, and by the way, that's all these concoctions are, emergency use authorization for an unproven medical technique, aren't you supposed to have informed consent on what the dangers may be? They're not bothering to do that. So if you oppose social distancing, locking down every business in the country that's small to destroy it, making people stay home, making little children wear masks in schools, and force vaccination and vaccine passes, and then the administration's, you know, brilliant idea, maybe we can have some way to keep people from traveling from one state to another if they're not vaccinated. Yeah, it brings back the memories of 1930s Germany. What a wonderful time that was if you happen to live in any of the uh, new territory occupied in 1939 by the German army. May we see your papers? I don't think I have them on me. In that case, we'll have to ask you to come along. Wait, it's possible that I... Uh, yes. Here we are. These papers expired three weeks ago. You have to come along. Halt! Halt! Now, I don't know about you, But I can't believe, well, yeah, maybe I can, that this administration is so determined to shove this stuff into people's arms, they will take away their freedoms. You have have people like Don Lemon or Lamont, whatever he calls himself, that idiot on CNN who used to spend a lot of time talking to the LoveGov's brother, that's uh, Chris Cuomo, that they, they really believe that People should not be allowed to shop for food if they don't have the vaccine. You shouldn't be allowed to go anywhere. You should just be crushed. You should be crushed like a bug because you won't submit to this experimental vaccine that we know is going to solve the COVID-19 problem that Dr. Fauci and company created. And see, that's my biggest issue. Where did this virus come from? It did not. And boy, they spent a year silencing everybody and trying to crush the idea that this is a man-made virus. Yet early on, people that looked at it said there is no way this came directly from nature. This was manipulated, most likely in a laboratory. Man, you said that. You were called a wacko conspiracy theorist. Well, the truth got out. And even the mainstream media is kind of giving it tacit acknowledgement 
that it could have come from a lab. It could have been just a, a terrible error, just an unfortunate accident. Well, they shouldn't have been playing with this stuff to begin with, especially with American money. We've been playing with that virus in this country, and when it became illegal to do so, we shipped it off to other countries with our tax dollars through third parties. So you'd have this culpable deniability, you know, when Fauci said, you know, we don't fund gain of function. No, you just fund those that do gain of function. And you expect the American people to believe anything you have to say, Mr. Fauci? You made a mockery of being a medical doctor with what you have done over the past 20 years. The fact the man is still employed, well, it doesn't surprise me with the administration we have now. They're pretty well reprobates, morally bankrupt, and intellectually deficient. So, of course, Fauci fits right in to this group. So we have those threat number one. Anybody opposed to all the extreme COVID measures or any of these ridiculous measures that don't work, including PCR tests that keep giving false positives. So I've said enough on that. There's enough for the virus for the day. You know it, I know it, we get it. And I would say a good number of listeners to this program have deep concerns about taking this vaccine. And I don't blame them. I really don't. Okay, so the next thing, what, what's the next thing that the Department of Homeland Security, in their Friday briefing, their new announcement of the three major terror threats to the United States today that we must be vigilant to stop? I can remember those TV commercials. Hear something, say something. See something, tell somebody. You know, remember that whole campaign? Well, the next one is claims of election fraud. People that believe that the election may have fraud are terror threats. Well, I'm sorry. I can watch a videotape and I can watch a lady at a desk loading ballots into a machine via a security camera is how we're seeing this. Of course, this was done when all the observers were told to go home in Fulton County because of an alleged non-existent water main break. That never happened. That was a lie. They said, everybody needs to leave. We're going to shut down and we'll start counting tomorrow morning at 8. And as soon as everybody left the room, boxes of ballots came out from underneath tables. And in some of the video, if you watch it carefully, there's this one gal that has this huge stack of ballots, probably, oh, I don't know, tall enough when I think of a a ream of paper, probably 1,000 to maybe 1,500 or more ballots. And she's running them through this high-speed counting machine. And as soon as the ballots come out, she gets them all back together again and runs them again and again. And again, the same batch of ballots run over and over again. Why? Why? Then you have Facebook. And I'm really beginning to think, you know, there's a lot about Facebook. Well, I'll I'll wait to the next segment of the program to talk about. But you have Facebook putting $400 million 
into counties that they could increase the Democrat vote. In other words, as far as I'm concerned, they were electioneering. But nobody cares about what what Facebook does. The mega billion dollar company that came into being the same day that the CIA closed down one of their operations to cultivate data on people. Makes you wonder sometimes. But Facebook, $400 million to aid one party. Now, as an individual, I am limited on what I'm allowed to give to any candidate in any election cycle. And it's not much by comparison to what these people like Mark Zuckerberg have done. They've literally placed $400 million into getting uh, drop boxes all over a town, something we've never done before, but only in predominantly Democrat areas to increase the number of Democrat votes. In Georgia, and I'm going to speak from the perspective of Georgia because I spend part of our, my wife and I, we spend a good amount of our time in Georgia, and I lived here for years. Know the state well. In Georgia, money went to Fulton County and all these kind of counties that would harvest more Democrat votes. And you had Stacey Abrams, the failed gubernatorial candidate, cutting deals, cutting a deal. Remember, the, there was this deal cut with uh, Brad Raffsenberger, who's the Secretary of State. Number one, Brad Raffsenberger does not have the authority to change election law. Only the state legislature has that authority, period. There is no discussion on that. That is constitutionally mandated. But Brad decided, rather than face a personal lawsuit, because Stacy and her posse were angry about losing, she still claims she's the governor of Georgia, by the way, that they forced some concessions out of Brad. And of course, Brad didn't care too badly because he was a never-Trumper to begin with, like Governor Kemp. So they allowed some of these shenanigans to occur. And of course, at the end of the uh, counting process, after the election, guess what? Biden wins by 11,000 votes the state of Georgia, which makes absolutely no sense. Of course, Stacey had cut a deal with good old Brad Raffsenberger because, you know, Raffsenberger, the never-Trumper, didn't care. He just assumed they'll fix things just in time for the special Senate runoff in January. And every time I I think of Brad and I I think of Stacey, this song comes to mind. Raffensperger went down to Georgia claiming there's no votes to steal, but he was in a bind because he was sued one time. He was willing to make a deal. And he came across Miss Abrams on a podium and preaching hot. Brad Raffin jumped up on a hickory stump and said, Girl, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a never-Trumper, too. But if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now, you play the press like a fiddle, girl, but give the devil his due. I better send it a gold against your control, because I think I'm better than you. The girl said, My name's Stacy, and it might be a sin. But I'll take your bet you're going to regret, because I make votes that's never been. Stacy, print your ballots and play the victim's part. Cause voting's loose in Georgia and Brad Raffin deals in cars. And if you win, you'll get this shiny Senate made of gold. But if you lose, Republicans.
Americans keep control And he said, I'll start this show When signatures flew from his fingertips As he reached a brand new low He sent ballot applications to everyone upon his list The dead, the relocated Not a single name was missed Are they wrong? I think they're wrong 100% When Brad Raffin finished, Stacy said Well, you're pretty good, old son But sit down in that chair right there Let me show you how it's done Count every vote, don't matter who it's from You can't throw them out, just add it to the song Brad Raffin bowed his head because he knew that he'd been beat. And he laid that golden sentence on the ground at Stacy's feet. Stacy said, Raffin, just come on back if you ever want to try again. I done told you once, you son of a gun, I make votes it's never been. So, according to the Department of Homeland Security, if you believe there was the possibility of any voter fraud, you might be a terrorist or a threat to this country. The only thing you may be a threat to is the potential of the fact that the election could very well have been rigged and stolen. And let me give you some logical reasons why somebody could safely believe that. First, in the history of our nation, we know there has been cheating on Election Day. We know back in the day in Chicago, voting machines were rigged. We know there have been attempts for people to vote in more than one state. We know that in Georgia. They really don't want to look at it because it's going to be very embarrassing for the Secretary of State, to the point it may be a criminal liability, in my personal opinion, people came and bragged about it. We're going to come to Georgia to register to vote, especially when it came to the senatorial race. Here's the problem. There are two problems. Number one, Brad Rassenberger was too chicken to deal with that issue because it would then open him up to having to admit that he failed the state miserably in November. See, I don't think he really cared if Biden won. Matter of fact, I think he and Kemp secretly kind of hope for it. And then we'll just keep the Senate, maybe pick up seats in the House, and everything will stay copacetic, as they would say, until we get to 2022, and then hopefully regain the House and and kind of ride out the Biden years, kind of like the Obama years after the House and Senate flipped. I think they failed to recognize that it may be noticeable because a lot of effort was going on nationally, and the state of Georgia just kind of fell into the trap with Stacey Abrams. I watched Mike Lindell's Cyber Symposium, And there's a lot of it I I don't understand. I don't need to understand. There are experts that know a whole lot more than I do. But just looking at the things that anybody with a rational point of view, looking at very easy to comprehend evidence, 
could come to conclude there was a lot of funny business going on in November in states like Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. A lot of it. They point out correctly so. Isn't it a one? It's it's a magical thing that in the state of Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, those four states, and then Arizona as well, those states all magically stop counting votes all at about the same time as the numbers were coming in. And in every one of those states, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Arizona, Trump was ahead. Then all of a sudden, everybody stops. They stop counting. They tell people to go home. In Michigan, they started covering up the window so nobody could look in to the counting room. That, you know, when you try to hide what you're doing, remember what the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. So all of these places started doing things in their major cities like, oh, I don't know, Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. There are a lot of questions prior to the election. Where did all these weird ballots come from that were shipped from Long Island and New York? NBC News doesn't want to talk about that threat. There's a lot about this that just reeks. It stinks. There's something terribly wrong. And it's amazing. All these places stop counting, allegedly, and then suddenly around 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning when everybody's asleep, Joe Biden pulls ahead in Georgia. He pulls ahead in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Arizona. That is a little bit unnerving to me. Why did they stop counting? And how did Joe Biden suddenly become ahead just enough to win the election? And then you look at some of the video of some of these places, and you can tell there's some things going on that don't belong happening. Georgia, there are about four or five items that, that just scream fraud. I have one friend. we got to go to a break here in a second. I've got a friend that I've known for quite a while. And he worked for the Senate Republican Senate Election Committee. He, he had some time. And after the election, he scoured around the middle part of the state of Georgia, double-checking addresses for people that requested mail-in ballots. Now, we're talking in the middle eastern part of the state. If, if you know the state of Georgia, these are areas off Interstate 16 when you get well away from Macon, heading toward Savannah. And he checked a number of addresses. They ended up being farm fields, forest, and places where nobody's ever had a home ever in those counties. Just his little afternoon trip picked up about about 50 addresses that were bogus. Those people don't exist. Yet we know they voted. We know they voted in the state of Georgia on election day. And also for the Senate race, same thing happened again.
people bribed. They would come from California to Georgia to stay in a hotel for a week, register to vote, and then go home. I know the Secretary of State threatened to come after those that did, but as usual, he didn't. He lied. And I think the man is a liar. I think his entire staff has been an embarrassment to the state of Georgia. And he presided over the worst election the state has ever seen. When we come back, I've got a little bit more to share. The third item, and it's probably the most disturbing to me of the three items that the Department of Homeland Security considers a threat. Do you believe in what we're doing here at Truth to Ponder? I didn't really plan on being this political today. I do have some really important things I need to share with you. And if they get pushed into tomorrow, so be it. Uh, I hope that we can get it in today's program. I'm already running late for the break. But if you believe in the work we're doing, I encourage you to visit our website. Visit our website at truth2ponder.com. I'm trying to, in the background, you won't see it till I can get it out of test, trying to rebuild the site, having a lot of trouble. And, and I just it's just a time factor, and I'm doing the best that I can. And I'm just trying to make a really easy-to-navigate website that doesn't have too much stuff to get you lost, to let you be able to hear the program, to learn about the program, and even hear our radio feed. And I'm just trying to come up with a better way to do it. If you believe in the work we're doing, would you consider your financial support to take care of the radio airtime bills? Our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, that's our secure box, in Sky Valley, Georgia, that's two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, and the zip code is 30537. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. How to get good at provoking. Shalom Lechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection. Bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now in the book of Hebrews 11.24, it's written, Let us consider how to provoke one another to love. Now some of you have a problem. The problem is you only read the first part of the verse and not the end. You read, let us provoke one another. Then you stopped there. You forgot to read the rest. So you've been trying to follow the Lord by getting as good as you could at provoking other people. You've mastered the art. You're going around provoking everybody. You provoked some people who would be otherwise very loving and spiritual into entertaining thoughts of murder. You're provoking people to anger. You're provoking, but that's not what it's meant. But it shows you the importance of being a provoker. God has called you to be a provoker. God has called you to provoke people. You're supposed to influence people. You're supposed to push their buttons. You're supposed to affect their behavior, even cause them to do things. But the provoking you're called to do is the provoking of love. You see, it's not enough to be nice. You're called to provoke your friends and loved ones and even enemies to love. It makes no sense to complain about the things other people did to you. You're called to provoke them to love. Start learning not just how to relate to people and not just how to love people, but how to provoke them to love. Pray, move in the spirit, and be strategic about it. What you need to do to provoke that personal love, what is it? Well, do it. Because God has called you to be one holy provoker. Want more? Ask for holy provokers. Provoke that person. Now, the free gift for you. From the sands of Judea, to the wings of the cherubim, to the writings of the rabbis, to the Garden of Eden. 
The awesome mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. And it's free. And Sapphire is guaranteed to bless your socks off. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name. Yeshua. And that's and you dial it. That's it. And you'll provoke us to send it to you. And you'll be provoked to joy. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed. But call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to minister with me, together bringing salvation to God's chosen people, Israel, and the unreached peoples of every nation of five continents with over a billion people. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. I'd love to hear from you. Questions, comments, whatever you got. The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111. That's Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. To get me direct, The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111. Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Sar Chaim, the Prince of Life. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of the Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I want to thank the many of you that write me, send me emails, and support this program. Sometimes, like these past couple of weeks, it's really hard for me to get the show done and even keep up with correspondence. A lot happening behind the scenes. All good, I might add, just uh, things with family and things that need to be done also in terms of ministry work, which is something else that I do. I kind of wear two hats. I do a program like this, dealing with current events, but also try to give you a lot of this in the light of God's Word and trying to understand where we are in our faith walk and the challenges up ahead. Started the program today with the question and actually the statement of do you know what the three biggest threats are? according to the Department of Homeland Security, that agency put in place by former President George W. Bush in 2001, after the events of 9-11, the Department of Homeland Security, its, its primary function was to take over things like TSA, the transportation people you meet at the airport, and and, and to make sure that these outside threats, like what supposedly happened and how it all went through the cracks on 9-11, wouldn't happen again. And a lot of people, including myself, are concerned with some of the power given to this department that is questionable in terms of the Constitution. And over the years... They have become like any other government agency, bloated, large, and embedded with bureaucrats. Funny, bureaucrats think differently than the average American. They think they're entitled to more money every year. I mean, that's just how they... I worked in government, so trust me, I, I, I saw it in play. I couldn't do it. I still see it. I've got friends that still work in government. They'll ask me some questions, and I... 
their whole thing is, oh, I got grant money. I got this money. I'm getting more money. Oh, we're getting this this money coming in, too, from, from you know, the, the, the stimulus package. It's all about the money. And I find it actually very unnerving. But that's what it is, Homeland Security. So if you are a threat to their, their largesse and the money they get, then they're going to fight you tooth and nail. That's why they like the current administration. They are burning through money. When you think about it, the the bills that are currently being passed for this budget and all this, you know, pork packaging and, and what they call infrastructure, a lot of it is not. Just so you know, they added an extra $10,000 of burden of debt and taxes on every man, every woman, every child, every patient in a nursing home. They've laid that $10,000 instantly on all of us. And those that understand the tax codes... There are a lot of people that do not pay taxes because, well, either they are not working or they are below the poverty level or they're retired or they're not old enough to work. And they they rightly say that those that are in the middle class will end up paying for all this money that has been spent. Middle class. We're decimating the middle class. Inflation's eating up their paychecks, gasoline prices. All this has happened in just seven months. <laughs> just seven months. Look where we are today. I was not even going to talk about this today, and I'm really not. Just look at Afghanistan. A total, complete disaster, uh, complete incompetence. This is Saigon all over again. I remember watching that on the TV in 1975. I never thought I'd see our nation tuck tail and run again like we did out of Vietnam. And what do we get for all the effort in Vietnam? Hey, I can buy clothing now made in Vietnam, a communist nation. Didn't do much with the 50,000 that died there. We just forget about that. The same with Afghanistan. This administration is incompetent, and I think they're illegitimate. I think the election, I guess, you know, for that number two thing, claims of election fraud and believe that Trump can be reinstated. I'm not, here's my opinion on that. Then I'm going to move to the next one. Maybe Trump could, maybe he couldn't. My answer is even if the full truth of this election gets out. This is, this is my prediction. It's not a prophecy, so do not take it as such. Just kind of knowing how things work. This is my humble opinion. Ultimately, the truth will start coming out. It'll end up slowly grinding its way to the courts. And there'll be setbacks, and it'll keep moving forward. And by the time we figure out it was a stolen election, we'll be well past 2022 on our way to 2024. And so what are you going to do about it? I read an article I thought was rather fascinating that said some people on the left would like to see Trump reinstated. That would guarantee civil war, and then the left could take over entirely. They wouldn't have to worry about those of us that don't believe in some of the dumb COVID measures. They wouldn't have to worry about us that thought the election was a fraud. We would know it was. 
And now they would start civil war and make us all look to be, you know, just evil and dangerous to the government. So those are the first two, opposition to COVID measures. This is from the Department of Homeland Security, the potential terror threats. The potential terror threats. Opposition to COVID measures, claims of election fraud, and a belief that Trump can be reinstated. And here's the one that I found the most offensive. The anniversary of 9-11. It's coming up in about a month. Where were you 20 years ago? I can remember driving to work. I was the pastor of a church and part-time in engineering for a radio station in Sarasota, Florida. And I got in my car, driving up to the radio station. It was one of the few days of the week that I worked there. And I heard this uh, commuter plane may have hit one of the World Trade Center buildings. And I didn't think much about it. You know, it could have been an accident. And then we find out it's an airliner. That seemed rather strange. And then the second, then we knew there was an attack. Something was going on, something big. I can remember getting to the radio station. By the way... I was in Sarasota, and uh, President Bush was in town at the Booker Elementary School talking about his No Child Left Behind program. And I watched Air Force One scream out of that airport. How did you feel that day, if you were alive and well? I'm like 47 years old or something like that. Yeah, 47, pastor of a church, working part-time, trying to build this church up. And we had this. I didn't know how this country was going to survive. But we did see unity for several days between Republicans and Democrats and independents and everybody. Everybody getting along. Singing choruses of God bless America. 20 years later, the left hates God. And they are going to use this anniversary for people like you and I. Maybe not you, but I know for myself. That grieved the day those Twin Towers came down. Now, you can speculate on who did it, whatever, that's irrelevant. I'm still angered that those Twin Towers came down. I remember watching them being built. I was in college at the time in New York. I could watch them going up. And then to watch how quickly they fell. Topic for another day. So those of us that remember the anniversary of 9-11 and the vulnerability of our nation to evil, I can say this much. Evil is what brought down the Twin Towers. Evil is what caused a, something to hit the Pentagon. Evil is what brought down that flight in Pennsylvania. Simple as that. Evil. And now people that want to remember that day and want to call out evil for what it is, we are now deemed by the Department of Homeland Security that came into being because of 9-11 to be a potential terror threat. How about that? And also, the Department of Homeland Security, as part of that warning, the 9-11 anniversary and the religious holidays that follow. What religious holidays follow? I'm having a hard time with that one. 
what religious holidays are they talking about? As near as I can figure, at least in the world of Islam, the only holiday they're really having uh, that's a major holiday is the uh, Prophet's birthday, which is November, I think, the, the 19th of this year. But maybe the Homeland Security people are thinking about Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah. I really believe that the Department of Homeland Security thinks that Thanksgiving, a semi-religious holiday, and Christmas, which we're supposed to call holiday, winter solstice, whatever, the Department of Homeland Security thinking that we are the threat. Think about that for a moment. We're the threat. We are the threat to them. And so they need to observe everything that we do. Story out of the Wall Street Journal. I'm just going to read a couple of lines out of it, and then I'll give you a few thoughts. The Department of Homeland Security is considering hiring private companies to analyze public social media for warning signs of extremist violence, extremist thought, and speech against the government. I thought we had that given to us in the Constitution to speak our mind. We have political free speech, but apparently not in the Biden administration, not with the people like Nancy Pelosi. We're not allowed to think. We're not allowed to speak out. We are to be obedient little servants of our government instead of the other way around. This effort is under discussion. It hasn't received any approval or funding. But you want to know something? It would involve a large shifting of Internet traffic flows so it can be read. That's why I tell people, if you have anything important to say, do not say it in Gmail. We already know and have known since it's a free service. Ever wonder how they give you free service? It's they're selling your data. They're reading your email. And if there's anything that they can market to you or find out about you to sell to somebody that wants to learn about you, that's how Google makes their money. Google sells your information. That's how they make a living. If you hadn't figured it out. So Christians in particular... Those that believe the election, what we, those that are told we can't believe what our eyes saw happening in Fulton County, what happened in, in Philadelphia, what happened in Wayne County, Michigan, we're, we're, we're told we can't look at that. We, we have to not believe our eyes. We have to believe. It's amazing. The Democrats in 2016 kept warning the Russians will hack the election. <laughs> if anybody hacked it, it's the Chinese this time around to get rid of their nemesis, Donald Trump, and put in a stooge by the name of Biden who doesn't really run the country. His staff does. He's on a two-week vacation, by the way, now that Afghanistan has fallen. He needed some time off to reflect. There's something wrong when he wanders around the Rose Garden, when he can't find his way and the Secret Service have to keep redirecting him. Friends, I am really concerned about the direction of our nation. 
if we are the threat for believing in Jesus Christ, if we are a threat because we want to speak truth, if we are a threat because we want to believe what our eyes obviously show us, and if we have concerns over all this rollout of this vaccine, which should really be up to the individual, I would be devastated if any of my grandkids and even great-grandkids were subjected to having to, to take that vaccine. It's bad enough I have some that are having to wear these stupid face diapers in school. And the problem with a face diaper, let me explain something, and I got a little cut here. This also came out of a newscast. You know, the mainstream media wants you to believe that the magic mask will save you from COVID and everything else evil in the world. I told you in the other segment that they're worthless in a virus. And what little the Fauci frauds were telling us and everybody else was, you wear your mask to protect me. In other words, it's a one-way street. Your mask is to protect somebody else. That's what you heard in the grocery store. Wear your mask. Your mask protects me like mine protects you. That's what you kept hearing. Yet, these indoctrination centers that that run around claiming to be a school have got little children scared to death about the coronavirus. And little children are believing. They're believing because they've been told over and over and over again, their impressionable minds, that if they wear a face mask, a worthless piece of cloth, or some decorative thing with a superhero on it, that they're immune from the coronavirus. Listen carefully. This is a elementary school child scared to death, and this is what she wrongfully believes. I'd rather wear it because I don't want to get COVID. Did you hear what she just said? She said she would rather wear this mask so she will not get COVID-19. She has been told somewhere that this mask protects her. This has nothing to do with her protecting somebody else. She has been told. She is convinced. Maybe her parents falsely believe it. Maybe they voted for Biden. Maybe they believe everything Dr. Fauci has ever said most of which has been changed. The narrative has changed over and over again. But listen to care, listen carefully to what this little girl said. I'd rather wear, wear it because I don't want to get COVID. I feel sorry for that little girl. I feel sorry for her parents and the many that have been led to believe this entire fabrication about these paper and cloth face coverings. 40 years of study prove they do nothing in the face of a virus. What studies have actually come out show there's no statistical difference in spreading or getting COVID-19, whether you wear one or not. And what really disturbs me, what really angers me, the folks at NBC News should know better. That little clip came from the same newscast from this past Friday night. This terrified little girl, I, I want to wear my mask so I don't get COVID. I don't get sick. I don't get the virus. And nowhere did Lester, the bankrupt, formerly decent individual and news reporter, correct her or say, well, that's not really true. The mask may protect somebody else. That was the claim made by Dr. Fauci. 
that your mask protects me and mine protects you. That's what we were told. We were also told, get your COVID shot, and then you don't have to wear a mask anymore. That, too, was a lie. We already know that now. I believe they knew that when they said it. I'm more convinced every day that we are being manipulated and fed information that's carefully crafted to be released over time. And there is a young elementary school student who's been brainwashed by her teachers or parents or something to believe that this miracle mask, they're magic, they protect you from COVID, when we know, in fact, they do not. We need to pray for our nation. I've never seen this nation in in the way it is today. I don't think there was as much fear in World War II. I've talked to my grandparents and my father who served in the Second World War. They'd come out of the Depression. They saw hard times. But they had an optimism even in the Second World War. Even when there was rationing of gasoline, rationing of food, you couldn't get sugar. You only could get so much, you know, cooking grease and meats and everything else. People grew victory gardens, especially in the South, in the Midwest, and in rural areas. So they could feed their families and to be enough food to send to our troops overseas. Our nation is in a dire, dire strait. When those that when those that worry about how this vaccine has been misused and this entire pandemic for that matter, and the changing narrative, when we question that changing narrative, we are now the terror threat according to the Department of Homeland Security. If we question some of the nonsense and absolute over-the-top breaking of the law, stuffing of the box, and nobody wants to look at it. And when people come to me, Bob, you know, the courts have thrown all the cases out. No, they did not. They never heard the merits. They used procedural matters to evade having to deal with it, hoping it would just go away. Never has there been a court case on the election on the merits of the evidence. Our compromised Supreme Court is scared to death to touch it. They really are. Listen, our time's about to run out today. We're going to pick up on this tomorrow. Some of the things that I was going to share today are just going to have to be wait till tomorrow. It'll be a great show. I hope you'll be with me. If you believe in this ministry, would you consider praying for us? Go into our website. You can even support us from there or mail a check to Ancient Word Radio. That's our parent ministry, 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.